This should be played at high volume. Live and local. Let's go down to life out here. This is Acadiana's number one sports station. 1037 The Game. It's Saturday, and you know what that means. Finally time for the world-famous CD to step to the mic for two straight hours of no-holds-barred sports talk. It's better than Desperate Housewives. Are you ready? You better get ready. Because Under the Dome with CD starts right now on 103.7 The Game. And welcome everyone to Under the Dome with CD right here on 103.7 The Game and 103.7thegame.com. Apologize for some of the technical issues right as I get into the beautiful 103.7 The Game studios. We have some little technical issues with with our with our little console, but hopefully we are on the air. And of course, we're coming to you live from the 103.7 The Game studios. Appreciate you listening and, how, listening and however you're doing so. Be it through 1037thegame.com, the free mobile app, or whatever product that you use to listen in to Acadian, a sports station, especially if it's the tower of power that is 1037 The Game. I'm having a pretty good Saturday. I'm hoping you are as well. Appreciate you listening in. And I want to go ahead and just waste a little time because obviously we we didn't have our usual preamble and, and ramble and everything in between. So... I'm going to go ahead and get right down to brass tacks of what's causing all this on a Louisiana Saturday morning. And let's do that with your Saturday sports sermon. The famous CD is on his soapbox to start your Saturday. It's time for your Saturday sports sermon. And the way I'm going to start off this show is talking about one team that I love to see fail. There's about three or four teams just off the top of my head that I can say without a doubt, I love seeing fail and fall flat on their face every single time. It's got to be the New York Yankees, Texas A&M, the Atlanta Falcons. That's always fun. And of course, the Dallas Cowboys. How about them Cowboys? They fell flat on their face in the most epic way possible. And obviously there are some conflicting feelings there. Because you did play this team a lot a while back. And it was just wild to see that entire thing go down. The entire story. With them playing the San Francisco 49ers. I mentioned last week, I don't hate them as much as the Rams. The only shining spotlight in that end, in terms of the 49ers being in the playoffs and making the run is Elijah Mitchell. That's about it. I don't hate him as much as the Rams. I've mentioned this before. That said, the Cowboys, when they lose, and they lose in an epic way, I absolutely love every last second of it. It was mind-blowing in and of itself to see that team just do what they did. And the way that was executed was less Miles-esque. You have Mike McCarthy, vintage Mike McCarthy, and a big reason why I think that era in Green Bay didn't go go the way they wanted to. I was blown away by how bad that play calling was. It was very conservative, and I'm sure it caused the fans that stormed AT&T Stadium like it was Black Friday pre-COVID 
to have second thoughts on him as the head coach. And they probably weren't hoping and wishing for the clapper. Jason Garrett to come back, but I'm sure it was something akin to that feeling. Because if you're a Dallas Cowboys fan or a football fan in general, whenever you see somebody do something like that and underperform and underwhelm, you start to question your future. You start to question a lot of different things. And I was blown away that this continues to happen. It's on repeat. And I was like, what's going on here? And in all honesty, this felt like a year. I said it before on this show that there was a chance this team could have made a run for the postseason and maybe even make the Super Bowl. But of course, that wasn't the case. Every time you turn around, ever since Troy Aikman hung up the cleats all that time ago, I mean, back whenever VHSs were still relevant, before DVDs and Blu-rays and streaming. Streaming felt like something that the Jetsons were coming up with. The last time the, the San Francisco, the Dallas Cowboys won a Super Bowl. You heard that right. It's been that long. And they continue to just be this laughing stock. And again, I don't hate it. I do not hate it at all. And you know why? Because I think that the this franchise just, in some cases, deserves to be laughed and ridiculed. And I think there's a lot of stuff we can just sit here and complain about when it talks, when you talk about this team. When we sit here, right here in the 1037 The Game Studios, we question what's going on here. And I think we can just all say at the end of the day that the this team is an absolute bona fide loser. And I'm absolutely loving the fact that we don't have it's just it's mind-boggling. It's mind-boggling to me that this team continues to fumble and stumble at the blocks. And it ends in minimal, miserable fashion for a fan base that honestly deserves better, but you can't help but to laugh at their misfortune. The rest of the country is killing themselves laughing at this team even today as we head into the divisional round of the NFL playoffs. But it didn't have to be that way. McCarthy looked more like Les Miles in his last game as head coach at LSU. If you remember that game, that was an iconic mess. That was an absolute mess and a half of a game. The second you saw Dak Prescott, I don't know why that was even the last play in regulation, why that was even thought about. I understand, you know, maybe running the football, but why run up the middle? with no timeouts and about 14 seconds left. You run out of bounds, and you give yourself one more chance to throw damn near a half-court heave and hope you pull off the miraculous victory over the 49ers. But nope, this was another moment where I think the, the Dallas Cowboys fans are looked at, and they, they are laughed at. And I think the Cowboys failing is a sign that all is right with the world. Because when they aren't doing well, I love it. Because I can never openly root for that franchise for a lot of reasons. And I think it kind of starts at the top with Jerry Jones. Jarrah. He isn't a bad owner in the same vein of Dean Spanos and 
you know, Snyder. It's always weird how the owners with an S around their name and their last name, they don't work out that well. They're not great. Spanos, Snyder. Jones is one of those guys, but I think he's he's not as bad. He's just Emperor Palpatine of the NFL who believes no one is bigger than the Dallas Cowboys. And I can't stand the fan base as well because they're way too full of themselves and they still live in the past. One day they're going to wind up getting to that magical era of Cowboys football, but it feels like it is an uphill climb and a half. And the fact that we saw so many people after the game or during the game on social media wanted to fire Mike McCarthy right then and there. Spoilers, he didn't. And he's still the head coach right now on Saturday, January 22nd at about 10.15. So that alone, not, not necessarily sure where the future lies with this guy. But I sat there at home questioning why fans were even thinking that's a good idea. It's not all on him. But I think that seat is going to be getting pretty hot heading into next season because, let's be honest, the way this team looked, they were an NFC Championship game team, if not a Super Bowl team. They had all the potential. But another off-season moment where you're falling flat on your face, that's what wound up costing you in the long run. Now, you kind of start flipping things over. You turn the page, and you're really starting to question what the hell is next for your team in the not-too-distant future. What's going to be happening with your team down the line? And honestly, that's a question that even I can't answer right here, right now. But there was also one more thing. The fact that you had the fan reactions, that became memes in and of itself. And those were absolutely glorious as a Saints fan. To see those moments, and then the Probably the, the creme de la creme, the cherry on top of all this, is the fact there was a guy out there who was with his side piece and actually got caught in 4K, as the kids like to say, got caught in 4K with this side piece on worldwide television, and she calls him out, and people are absolutely roasting this guy, and deservedly so. Absolutely mind-boggling, that entire story. But, again, guy kind of gets what he deserves. But that's about all I got right now, right here on 103.7 The Game. Uh, you're listening to Under the Dome with CD. Again, apologize for a little bit of the technical difficulties. We're trying to get those kinks out right now. Shout out to our engineering crew, getting them out here and kind of talking about it. So, hopefully, you're going to keep it locked right here. When we come back, we're going to talk about the Louisiana Raging Cajuns, they've lost two straight. And it got me sort of thinking, I've talked about a lot here lately, is what happens next with the Vermilion and White. Does this team, can this team turn it around? Can this team kind of flip the switch, flip the script, and get things on the in a step in the right direction? That's kind of the million-dollar question. And more importantly, what does the future hold for Bob Marlin? Is that seat starting to heat up as this team is going ice cold in mid-January? We'll talk about that and more right here on 103.7 The Game, 103.7thegame.com. We've got one guest coming aboard, and that is Brad Spielberger. He'll be joining in hour number two. So this whole hour, you've got the phone lines wide open, 
0111337706-0111. If you want to get in on the conversation, back after this on 1037 The Game and 1037thegame.com. The world-famous CD may be in his 30s, but he's still a kid at heart. (laughs) Now, let's get back to a guy that has an unhealthy obsession with a number that offensive linemen wear with Under the Dome with the world-famous CD on 103.7 The Game, Acadiana's sports station. Welcome back to Under the Dome with CD right here on 103.7 The Game and 103.7thegame.com. Appreciate you listening in on this Louisiana Saturday morning. And if you want to call us up, the hotline is wide open, 337-706-0111, 337-706-0111. And again, if you, if you listen to the beginning of the show, we want to have some tech difficulties. I try not to address this stuff live, but you know, we're kind of flying without a little bit of a net here, but we're getting in to a lot of stuff right now. So if you again, if you want to call up 337-706-0111, we're wide open for this hour. It's not too often we get to that, but honestly, I enjoy a little bit of chaos on a Saturday. Because why the heck not? Why not enjoy and embrace a little bit of madness. We're getting closer to, and closer to March Madness. I know it's early January, but why not kind of start that conversation and get into what's going on with your favorite teams across the state? And we'll start with the Louisiana Raging Cajuns because if we're going to be honest, they've been a team that on paper to start the season, to start the season, everybody's been liking. They were looked good heading into conference play. Not necessarily elite, but good. Yes, they got their behinds handed to them in non-conference against Indiana, but that doesn't really matter in the long run. It would have been great. It would have been But at the end of the day, if you're a Sunbelt Conference basketball team in the current construct, and keyword is inside the current construct that is the Sunbelt Conference, that's gonna you're gonna have to win the tournament to get in. That's all that matters. But I said about a month ago, they started off conference play red hot, three and zero, and they looked to be a better team. I said it a week ago, they looked to be much improved, and they had a really good shot at making a run. From what I saw, again, that's what this show is. It's a lot of hot takes and reactions. It's a very reactionary type thing. So when I saw the game on Thursday night, I said, you know, you can throw that thing in the trash, that take in the trash can, because if we're being honest, that may have aged quite wet, quite poorly, and it's probably pretty darn rotten right about now. It's not like some rotten lasagna in your refrigerator that has been there for a few days and you haven't had that leftover. It's time to throw it out. This team started off really solid. Again, 3-0, you've got good wins that you should have gotten. Keyword should. But now this team's on a little bit of a skid. It's not, like, horrendous, but it's not a great look, especially with the way they look to start off a homestand against South Alabama. This was an opportunity for you to really jump up in terms of the 
state of the Sunbelt Conference, especially in the West Division. Because, again, you're always playing for seeding, especially the way the conference tournament is set up. It plays a lot more better for you if you are making a run and you're a one or a two seed versus possibly being a five or a four or five or six seed. Just the way the tournament's set up. It's a lot more advantageous to be a team that's in the top four, but probably a lot more advantageous to be in the top two in the Sun Belt. And that always goes to your West and East teams. But the game against South Alabama on Thursday night, it's a game that, honestly, it was probably an L on paper. Because going back to what I saw about, I'd say, a couple weeks ago, whenever they had that good start, and then they stumbled over against UT Arlington. They stumbled against them in conference play. And again, UTA is a damn good team, but now you're playing against some tougher competition. You're playing against stiffer competition. South Alabama is a damn good team. I think not as much people are giving them credit because you've got a hell of a player in Charles Manning Jr. over there, a name many LSU fans will remember. He was a big part of that win on Thursday night, 25-5. and five. 20 points, 5 boards, 5 assists. A damn good player. And yes, the Cajuns lost, but I got to give them credit. They made that game look a lot better than it did, especially towards the tail end of that ball game. They rallied, made it a single-digit deficit versus a double-digit. I believe the highest lead that South Al had was, I think, 16. Well over double digits, and that's not a great look if you're Bob Marlowe. And, you know, this was the first game all year this team has been to full strength. And you falter at home against a team that's a West Division rival. Again, they are a damn good team compared to maybe what they've been in the past if you look at the history of South Alabama basketball. This isn't South Alabama baseball where they're a damn strong team 99% of the time. Bob Marlin, there needs to be some form of accountability for him. You have those losses start stacking up. And let's say they lose tonight. Let's say the Cajuns, they play later tonight. And if they lose two straight, they lose to Troy. And Troy's not a bad team. They're 11, they're 13 and 5. They're not a bad team. The Cajuns have just had a lot of bad luck. But I think now that you are starting to get back to full strength, keyword back to full strength for the first time all year, and with all the talent that you have, you've got Greg Williams Jr. You've got you've got some great players, some great young players like Joe Charles, a lot of great local talent. And if you can't get it done here, when are you going to get it done? You're in the middle of a homestand. You're playing Troy, Georgia State, Georgia Southern, the next three games. You need to take two out of three. I think, as Meatloaf said, two out of three ain't bad. Give me them winning against Troy and Georgia Southern. Those two, they just feel, keyword feel, like winnable games. Georgia State's always a weird one because Georgia State has been a thorn in the Cajun side going back to the Ron Hunter era since Georgia State entered the Sun Belt Conference. And this is a year, I, I keep saying it, but I think this is one of those times where Bob Marlin's been the head coach of that program for a decade, for over a decade. And you have that one NCAA tournament appearance. 
the heat has to be coming down on Bob Marlin sooner rather than later for what he's done. Because you have done a, he's done a fantastic job recruiting and building talent and developing. But there's a difference between just being a good developer of talent and getting to a level of play that's worthy of that. Because you can put all the skins on the wall you want about, oh, hey, look at all these guys we, we've signed. Look at all the guys we've co- got committed to the program. Look at all these guys they've got. But if you aren't continually trying to improve, reinvent, and step up, it's going to be a very big climb. Again, this is just purely my opinion. It's purely my opinion that if they don't get to the Sunbelt Conference Tournament and win the whole bleeping thing, I think he's done. And I'm sure a lot of fans of the program and just fans of the Cajuns in general are probably nodding their head up down. Because I, I'm i almost certain. I've heard people out of read things that fans are a little bit tired of him, of Bob Marlin, having all this potential, but never quite getting over the hump. Never quite climbing that proverbial ladder. And that is definitely not a great look if you're if you're Dr. Brian Maggard who is starting to build something very special. Like they this team is building something really cool and I'm looking forward to seeing what they can do. But if you aren't you know at the top of the line, at the top of the food chain when it comes to the state of football, state of college basketball at UL, it's an uphill climb, Jack. I think we can all agree with agree there, right? That if you aren't a team that's at least in the top three every year, especially with the talent that you're getting, not just in recruiting high school kids, you're getting a lot of good talent right now, but you're also, more importantly, getting things done on the transfer portal. You literally just grabbed Greg Williams Jr. He's back in. In the city of Lafayette, Louisiana, former LCA Knight, he was making waves over at a bigger program and transferred back home. I think that's a big get, a big coup, big feather in the cap, because I think he's absolutely going to be a star for this program. But I just don't see it because of the way this team has played the last several weeks and months. With all due respect, that's where my kind of problems lie. That's, that's where my kind of allegiances are right now. Is the Louisiana Raging Cajuns have struggled right now. They could get better. But I feel like the fact that you look at the years. They've had years, even after making the NCAA tournament with, with Alfred Payton, who's probably goes down as one of, he's probably on a tier two or tier three, according to a lot of people of greatest Cajun basketball players of all time. I'd probably put him at Tier 1 because, again, he wound up making it and has done a serviceable, keyword, serviceable job in the NBA. And sometimes it's all you got to ask. But, again, after you had Sean Long, Bryce Washington leave, they had a chance to at l- still control their own destiny and rule the roost because he still had Sean Long there. And, you know, Georgia State took over and usurped that spot and left you high on dry on multiple occasions. 
And there were so many opportunities. There was one year where the Cajuns just were untouchable in conference play. And then they lost to a completely mediocre Little Rock program. This That was a game they should have won. That was senior night and everything. That's a sign that that program was starting to be on the downturn. And again, you had so much stuff go against you with guys you get that are transferring over and they get injured before conference play, before the before the calendar flips over to January. Name I can think of off top, it's Malik Marchetti. Those guys, that I mean, that name stands out to me because, again, Malik Marchetti was an absolute key cog of that team a few years ago that could have made a run, but he was out and the team kind of floundered because he was kind of the big key guy. He was that big name. And the big fish... The chances of him staying, if they don't win the whole bleeping thing to steal a phrase from Major League, it's an uphill climb. And I thought the same thing last year on the women's side because the results didn't show all that well on the court in previous seasons. Gary Broadhead earned a lot of goodwill, and he's going to stick around for a while. I think a lot of it has to do with the fact that you want him winning the regular season crown for the first time in forever. That was a huge step in the right direction for that team. And they're still doing well despite a loss on Thursday night to a middle-of-the-road App State team. Tidu State has been damn good for that program. I think she's been a big reason why they have been where they are. I think she came back. That's something that I think speaks volumes to that program. And I think in the next couple of months, we'll start to really learn more about this team. And I wouldn't be surprised if they have a chance of winning the tournament in Pensacola. Right now, I'd say probably 75%, but they've got to prove something a little bit more and thankful they have a little more time to kind of rest up because they would they would be playing today if not for COVID ruining another Cajuns Coastal Carolina matchup. Thankfully, it wasn't for a championship this go round, and that's all I got to say about that. But we're gonna go ahead and take a quick timeout. If you want to call up three three seven seven zero six zero one one one, we'll flip it over to LSU basketball. Hell, the segment was originally kind of mapped out, added in mind for some LSU recruiting talk, but you know we'll probably save that. More for next week, right before we get into the thick of, you know, LSU National Signing Day at the start of February. So we'll take a quick timeout and we'll talk about what LSU basketball's done as of late and also LSU football because, again, they've done some impressive stuff in the portal. So if you want to call up 337-706-0111, back after this on 1037 The Game. And 1037thegame.com. You're listening to Under the Dome with CD. The world-famous CD has a lot of thoughts about anything from the world of sports to what the right order is at your favorite eating establishment. Don't get me wrong. Extra toast is always a good thing, but extra fries is far superior and doesn't fill you up as much. Get in on the conversation and chat him up at 337-706-0111. Now, back to Under the Dome with CD on 103.7 The Game, Acadiana's sports station. Welcome back to Under the Dome with CD right here on 103.7 The Game and 103.7thegame.com. Hopefully you're having a great, dare I say, stupendous Louisiana Saturday morning. If you want to call us up, 337-706-0111. We got plenty of time to get you in here 
But I want to get over to LSU hoops for just a few moments. And I think we can all agree that the this franchise, this program, hasn't necessarily been at the level we want. Am I am I wrong in saying that? That that team hasn't been where we want them to be just in the SEC alone. Because they started off on fire, on in fuego. Absolutely great stuff. But they've been a little bit up and down. But I think unlike what we see with the Louisiana Raging Cajuns, where I think they are just slipping up at a, early on in the in conference play, and hopefully they do bounce back, but it's these last few losses make you start to question what this team's ceiling really is. This go rounds this team's a little bit different because they look great in non-conference, and it wasn't just because of the fact they played a bunch of tomato cans. It's not like when you see guys like like Logan Paul or boxers early on in their career that are going to be great. They originally fight a lot of tomato cans. They fight these guys who are largely jobbers to help enhance their record and inflate their stats a little bit. That's what we see, especially in non-con in college basketball. Not so much college baseball because I think there's still a lot more parity in that game more than anything else. So... I mean, you look at it. They played Penn State, they played Wake Forest, and they beat both of those teams. So they have skins on the wall. They had one of their best non-conference starts in program history. That said, this opening stretch of conference play has given them zero favors. I think it speaks to something that I think people ha- aren't paying attention to. Because, yes, the strength of SEC football, that's through the roof. We already know that. It's been well-established for years, for the better part of a decade. The strength of SEC football is one of the big calling cards of the conference. Baseball as well. Case in point, over the last few years, you've had Vanderbilt, Florida, a lot of teams from that conference win national championships. That speaks to how good they've been on the baseball and the football front. They'll be probably on the softball front pretty soon once they add Oklahoma into the mix. We all know that that program has been good in the circle over the last several years. Texas has been pretty good as well. So I think the SEC is going to be perfectly fine on the softball front. But basketball has always kind of been a weak spot overall. Because, yes, you've got a program like Kentucky, and this year you've got a program like Auburn. Auburn has been damn good this year, and the last couple of years too. Let's not, let's not forget that. Let's not downplay how good over the years that team's been. But now you kind of flip the script and you have to start thinking, have to ask yourself, what's going on with LSU? And it's because they're playing SEC conference schedule. And they opened up with an absolute gauntlet. Just from the start of the men's basketball season, like today they play Tennessee. And Tennessee's still ranked. They're 24th in the country. So as of right now, you've started conference play. If you were LSU, you started off on December 29th playing Auburn, who's now ranked second in the country. You lost them by 15. You eked out a win over Kentucky. They're ranked. Tennessee, you beat them while they were ranked, and you moved up. LSU played Florida. Florida's your one unranked team, or should I say you played another unranked team, but we'll get to that. 
You played a, a probably a middle of the road Florida team, but most years Florida can be a pain in the neck for that LSU game. Just like in football, Arkansas playing LSU. Arkansas last Saturday they beat LSU and they beat the brakes off them. They were just outplayed and outclassed in a lot of different aspects of that game. And it's just it's it's factual. But Arkansas is getting better, and I feel like the fact they were unranked. It's a little bit of a low-key snide against them. We talked to our guy last weekend. I'm a, my brain's kind of fried right now, but Curtis Wilkerson. There we go, Curtis Wilkerson. We had him on last Saturday and talked about that team. And I think, honestly, we can all agree, Arkansas is way better than you know what people in terms of polling have to say. Then you play an Alabama team who over the last couple of years has given you more hell than anything else. Like Alabama, just else you cannot get over Alabama being in football or basketball. Baseball, hell yeah, they're, they're going to kind of steamroll. But basketball the last couple of years, because they have been getting like miles better since they hired their head coach, Nate Oates. Nate Oates has gotten that team on a certain level. And I wouldn't be surprised if they're a team that's going to be ranked. I just think that's going to be where kind of things go. I like what I'm seeing from this program. I like what I'm seeing from Nate Oates. Again, he's a guy who brought in the first regular season title after a mediocre first season. That team is going to be on the rise. So keep an eye on Alabama. But it again, it speaks more to how good and how strong the SEC has been over the last couple of years, how much it's developed, how much time and effort has been spent in making that program and making that conference better. You're playing against Tennessee, and then you get, you'll get you get a break next week. And things will get a lot easier because you're not playing Alabama till further down the road. Like, the last stretch of your season is going to be your toughest. But you avoided a lot of the landmines. So, like, the LSU fan who's probably kind of clutching at different things and is is frustrated, I get it. But kind of just bring yourself down a tad. Bring yourself down just a little bit. Because if you don't, you're not going to – you just have to look at this program and say, hey, and look at the way things are right now and realize you had a tough open to it. The tail end of it, as of right now, looks a lot easier playing Mississippi State, Georgia, and Georgia's not that hasn't been that great of a basketball team this year. You're wrapping up with Arkansas and Alabama, your two biggest bugaboos, and then Kentucky in there as well. So I think after this game against Tennessee, and you've proven you can beat them, beat them on the road, you really have a good chance to start building up your resume and probably, I I would hope, this team can crack the top 10. Again, A&M might be your one bugaboo the rest of the way outside of the Kentucky rematch, and then you play Alabama, Texas A&M. You start building yourself up, you're building your reputation. I wouldn't be surprised if this team is a bona fide, certified, like four or five seed and a strong ass four or five seed 
when it's all said and done. We'll go ahead and take a quick timeout. When we come back, we'll wrap up the hour with my five favorite picks to click, not just from the sport of professional football and college hoops. We'll get some UFC in there as well, UFC 270 tonight. I'll give you my pick to click for that main event. We'll get back to it next right here on 103.7 The Game and 1037thegame.com. Under the Dome with CD is a show for all the degenerates out there. You make your rules and we will break them. Let's get back to the famous CD who will break it all down for us. Welcome back to Under the Dome with CD. Our number one is about to be done. So let's go ahead and get right into one of my favorite segments of the week. And that is my five favorite picks to click and money that I'd be willing to throw down on when it comes to some big games this weekend. We'll go two from the NFL, two from college basketball, and we'll go one with the UFC this weekend. First off, give me Cincinnati straight up against the Tennessee Titans. Yes, the Titans are the one seed. This will be a massive upset in the history of the NFL, but I think it's a distinct possibility it's going to happen. Bengals are four-point dogs, but I got to go with Joe Burrow. Pulling off a sizable upset later today. And by the way, you'll hear that on 103.7 The Game. Thanks to Westwood One's coverage of the NFL. Looking at Sunday's matchups, Green Bay. I got them covering against San Francisco. Five and a half point their favorites. I think they can get it done and win by at least a touchdown. If not a little bit more. I don't think it's going to come down to a last second field goal. Then we go to Florida State. I got them straight up against Miami. They're two and a half point dogs, and I'm surprised they're underdogs, especially considering the fact that they beat Duke earlier in the week in overtime. I believe this was on Tuesday or Wednesday night. That was a hell of a game. I wound up catching the tail end of that the other night. So automatically, in my mind, they're a lock. Florida State is looking damn good right now. So I got them winning against Miami. Georgia, I got them covering against South Carolina. They're nine and a half point dogs. Nine and a half is a smaller spread than normal when it comes to, you know, college basketball. But I wouldn't be surprised if a nine point spread is a little bit large for this team not to kind of overcome. So I got Georgia beating South Carolina or covering against South Carolina, I should say. If they beat them straight up, it still cashes, but nine and a half point dogs. Last one, Francis Ngannou over Cyril Gan, plus 115 odds right there. It's likely Ngannou's last fight in the UFC, according to some reports. He's going to be done with the UFC when it's all said and done after tonight. But I'm going to go ahead and roll with the underdog. He's got that one-punch knockout ability. I would not be surprised if he gets the win. Don't sleep on this, man. I understand Gan is a damn good fighter. But I think people are underestimating the reigning defending champ. 
Again, this is going to be for the undisputed UFC heavyweight championship. Can't wait for it. I can't wait to talk about it as well on the Cajun Strong Style podcast, which will be dropping this Monday. But we got hour two of Under the Dome with CD before we even get close to this weekend. So we'll go ahead and take a quick timeout. Hour two coming up next. And then we'll get to some salary cap talk with our guy, Brad Spielberger of Pro Football Focus. We'll do that next right here on 103.7 The Game and 103.7 thegamecom